0: Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable
1: to discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada.
0: Hi everybody, welcome to Explorify Canada. My name is Ryan Murex, I'm from Kitchener, Ontario and the author behind CanadianFire.ca. Joining me from Vancouver, BC is Chrissy, my co-host and the author behind EatSleepBreatheFI.com. Hey, Chrissy.
1: Hi, Ryan. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Today, we're bringing you the introduction of our new series, FI School. Before we get started in the lessons, I think it's important that we establish what we want to do today and how we're going to do it. If you're not familiar with FI School already, this is Chrissy's fantastic step-by-step resource for introducing yourself to financial independence. You can find this on her blog at easilybreathefi.com slash fi dash school, but we're listening to a podcast, so don't worry, we're going to give you everything that's on it in audio format. Oh, and because Chrissy is Canadian and so much of the FI universe is American, Chrissy deliberately marks all Canadian content with a maple leaf. Chrissy, that was a very nice touch. (laughs) Thank you. So let's hear it. What is FI School? And I believe you spent months curating this content and vetting it. So give us a little bit more about why you did that and what it's meant to do.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it's it took months of my life, literally. <laughs> so I'm really excited to finally bring FI School to the Explorify Canada audience in audio format, because I know some of you have spoken up and said that you prefer uh, your content in audio format. So hopefully we can fill that niche for some of you. And so the story behind FI School is that I wanted to share the FI message with my family. Uh, They were open to it, but they wanted the resources that I used to uh, learn about FI. And I went in search of a beginner's guide that I could share with them. I wanted something that was curated, simple, and easy to share. And unfortunately, I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. So I decided to create my own resource. And that's when the idea for FI School was born, and it led me to months of carefully selecting and vetting fi content to build out all the lesson plans and so for me i think it's some of the best fi content out there and i i hope it'll give you a thorough education in fi and i think it's also a a great resource for those of us who are more experienced with fi to share with others it's all online it's free it's easily shareable so uh, i hope it's of use to our audience
0: yeah, I think you make a really good point because I wrote a blog post on this recently called The uh, Vortex of FI Information. And really, there's no there's no place to go to online where you can tell people, okay, you want to take this from Mr. Money Mustache, and then you want to listen to this episode by Doe Roller. Okay, and then you, you're in Vancouver. Okay, so you're going to want to go here, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's so confusing because almost everybody in the FI universe who's participating and on this journey to financial independence has written a blog because it's very uh, therapeutic, right? It's, it's very self-helpy in that kind of sense. So everybody's added their own voices and there are some really, really good content and there's some uh, not so good content. And then there's also people who've just, written the same article but it's been done by six different people like the emergency fund is like the most obvious one right like everybody's touched on the emergency fund or the debate between paying off your mortgage and investing in the stock market like everybody has an opinion so which opinion like whose whose blog post do you go to to read the best Which podcast should you listen to? I think you've done a really good job of just curating a good fine-tune list that really gives people the most broad view of what it actually is.
1: Yeah, I hope it does accomplish that goal. From the feedback I've received, people have found it useful and uh, they like that it's all in one place and that it's shareable. So these are the bloggers and podcasters that I've followed over the years. Most of them are, you know, from the the OG <laughs> crew of FI, you know, Mr. Money Mustache and uh, the Mad Scientist. They're they're the people who have been around the longest. So I, I, I felt like their content was, you know, at the beginning stages of FI and and it's evolved since then. So I've included newer content producers in there. As they come across great content, I will revise FI School and I will add to it or I'll take out content that's no longer useful. So I hope it's going to continue to be something that I can keep updated as our community grows because there's more and more content out there. Like you spoke about, Ryan, um, with that vortex of information, Uh, it's getting harder and harder to curate it and go through it. But I am pretty tapped in to all the latest articles I've signed onto a lot of the aggregators. I see a lot of the articles. So if something really stands out, um, I will add it to FI School.
0: Mm-hmm. And when it gets added to FI School, we can bring it to our listeners' ears, which is also nice as well. So I'm really happy that I was able to convince you to turn FI School into an Explorify Canada series podcast because our audience really wants us to cover more basic FI content for the show. We have, unfortunately, with our own kind of intermediate expert bias skipped over a lot of the very fundamental stuff. I mean, in episode four, we went straight to the Smith maneuver. So it's just a little advanced and we should probably tailor it back and be able to talk to the beginners out there. And I'm hoping that that's you, the listener right now.
1: Exactly. And, you know, we've heard you loud and clear, not just that you want more basic FI info, but also that you want more Canadian FI content. And we know that is lacking. It's growing. There are more and more of us who are producing Canadian FI content, but we would like to use this series to highlight more of the Canadian aspects of FI.
0: Mm -hmm. But we can't ignore the roots. I mean, like you said, the OGs, a lot of them are American. And Mr. Money Mustache is dual citizen, Canadian and American. so we can kind of mm-hmm. split that one fifty fifty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we can still claim part of him as Canadian.
0: <laughs> Great. So I think that's enough background on why we're going to release Fi School. So I think we should quickly list the curriculum that you've set out and uh, some of the modifications that we're going to make to address the Canadian listening audience because. Yours is for the written format. And uh, we don't, I don't expect everybody to go and click on over to FI School at your blog. I just don't think that's a reality of people who listen to podcasts. So we want to make sure that everybody who's listening can get a complete and full curriculum just from their earbuds.
1: So starting with lesson one, which I've titled FI 101, we will, in this lesson, cover the basics of FI, what it is, and why we might want to pursue it. So in this lesson, Mr. Money Mustache, Mad Fientist, and Choose FI are uh, heavily featured because uh, I consider them to be FI community royalty. (laughs) So (laughs) they're pretty important when you're learning about FI. So what we want for you in lesson one is to be able to get a feel for FI and see if it's the right fit for you.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking a lot of our listeners have already down the rabbit hole of FI, but I think they could just use a more fundamental understanding of maybe where it all came from. I mean, a lot of these content creators are from almost like a decade ago, right? So there's a long history of FI. And I feel like if we listen to FI 101, we can really just distill the most important message. And FI means different things to a lot of people. So I think think people will find lesson one pretty interesting because I have a feeling that Chrissy and I, will have two different takes on what FI actually is to us.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about FI, that as the movement as we like to call it matures people are adding their voices and there are different types of fi that are emerging you know there's there's slow fi and there's barista fi coast fi you know <laughs> there's there's all these different types of fi and i think it makes it more relatable to more people which is what we want we just want more people to be awakened to the possibilities that fi holds for everybody
0: i love the names that people come up with it i'm eventually going to make my own strand of fi and i'm going to call it like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, fi or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> people will say what? I'll be like, hey, be it's my own path. You can't mock it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to let's go on to lesson two. So this one is frugality and saving, probably my bread and butter. Because if anyone follows my blog, you know that I live on less than twenty thousand dollars a year in Canada. So it's not exactly a cheap country, but there is a lot of low hanging fruit. That is in Canada, you just have to be able to find it. And that could be everything from capitalizing on lost leaders to going with discount home internet packages, lowering your utility bills, such as electricity and water, not hemorrhaging money when you don't really need to. If you just put a little bit of thought into a decision that could benefit you for years, like picking a cell phone plan, I mean, that isn't such an easy low hanging fruit that every Canadian can take home and to the bank. So, Uh, really our actual info is just to give you a lot of ideas, particularly in Canada that you, the listener can begin changing right away. I mean, this is the easiest way to slash expenses and get on your way to FI.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is the the easy stuff that you can use to get the ball rolling. Much like Dave Ramsey's snowball method, you start small and then you build on the success that you're seeing. So with frugality and saving, it's stuff that all of us can easily look at and start saving money. So uh, I think that's a great way to get the FI journey going. And then then you can go into the next step, which is covered in lesson three, which is budgeting and tracking. So a lot of people recoil when they hear the word budget. Even me, uh, to be honest, I I don't really use a budget. I do more of the tracking than I do budgeting, which what it allows me to do is to uh, really put every dollar to use. When I track every dollar and I make sure that I know what's coming in and what's going out and then what's left over, I can be confident that I'm putting the leftover money to use and know that I'm not going to be short next month and that it's working for me at all times. So I think that's the value of budgeting and tracking. And it's pretty essential to the FI journey that you really get mindful with your money.
0: Mm -hmm. And we can also speak to some of the Canadian options for budgeting, such as you need a budget and maybe like Mint or Wealthica or something like that. I think we should weigh in on a bit of those as well, because uh, not everybody wants to use an Excel spreadsheet and not everybody wants to be anti-budget like I am. Cause I hate budgeting.
1: I, I think most of us do. Yeah,
0: class. I know, but it's it's, it's just not, what, it's it's whether whether fun. or not you're willing to put up with it, and I'm not. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, let's let's uh, bump along here. So we're at lesson four. Uh, this one's going to do with your income. So you are your own greatest asset, you can make a lot of money. And it depends on what kind of skills you have. It depends on what kind of education you have. And it ultimately depends on how much you are willing to work for your money. And I feel like that might be a little bit hard to translate into a podcast. But while anybody could theoretically achieve FI on any level of income, it is substantially easier if you can raise yours. So if you're only making 30 or 40 grand a year, that's not good enough. You need to make more. You need to be able to deploy more resources in the the form of education or skills, like I mentioned before, and be able to increase your income substantially so you can begin pulling some of the levers. So if you can't pay your expenses and put all your money, the amount you're allowed to in an RSP, and then put the limit into the TFSA. If you can't meet that basic requirement where you can pay all your expenses and use the tax advantage accounts in Canada, you need to increase your income and you need to do it now.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's something that gets lost in the message, particularly with mainstream media when they're talking about FI. They tend to focus on us being super frugal and saving really hard. But really, a lot of us could do well by really looking at how much income we're earning and how we can earn more of it. Mm -hmm. We hope that lesson will be helpful to you in uh, learning some unique ways to think about your own human capital and how you can grow it.
0: Yeah, everybody wants to gloss over, you know, the The woman who stood up for herself and said, I should be getting a raise because this guy is making more money than me for no reason. You know, like that's super important. It's, it's this ultimate sign of self-respect to know what you are worth and to know what your skills are worth. And if that means quitting and moving jobs or, or being bold to your supervisor and, and coming at them with a list and saying, listen, I do this, this, and this, I meet these sales figures. I do these extra duties around the office. I should be paid more. And that takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of skill. And that's something we're going to hit on on that episode because it's it has less to do with, you know, the budgeting and tracking from the, from the aforementioned lesson to really just building up that confidence and not being anxious about the amount of money you know you're worth and what you should be paid to do what you do.
1: So let's move on to lesson five. And that would be early retirement planning. And so I think this is the fun part. Uh, it's where you think about your dreams and goals. And you also learn how to do the shockingly simple math from Mr. Money Mustache so that you know how much you're aiming for. Because without a goal, without a hard number, even if it's just an estimate, it's hard to know what you're aiming for and what you need to do to get there. So This lesson will cover all that kind of info, including the 4% rule, how to make a retirement plan, and how much you'll need to save.
0: Yeah, we have an episode called the 4% Assumption, so we're going to have to tread lightly around uh, how hard and fast we want to stick to the Trinity study, where if anybody doesn't know what that is, it is essentially if you have an entire portfolio and you draw 4% from it every single year, it should theoretically last you 30 years or something like that but it's based in America it's based on a 50% equity 50% bond allocation I think once you have a lot of money and you're building a lot of this nest egg and you can see it growing you're going to become a lot savvier and then you're going to know what you can and can't get away with and so hopefully we can hit on that Yep, for sure so When you are building your nest egg, that naturally means you're probably going to learn about index investing. And this is probably another one of those uh, fundamental FI decisions. So this is lesson number six, index investing. We know from a multitude of research and evidence that has come out from that research that Individual stock picking is very hard. It is not impossible, but it is quite difficult. I don't have the figures in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's about 2 point something percent of mutual fund managers actually make money over a 10 year horizon. And so we know that putting our money into the stock market where other people can manage it is folly. It doesn't work. And if we try to do ourselves, we're probably going to burn and crash even sooner. So what is the alternative? How do we invest in the stock market using that evidence I mentioned before? That is index funds. That is having a essentially a robot that passively buys everything in whatever index you tell it to, and it does it for dirt cheap because there's no human involvement. They just set an algorithm and off it goes. And what you're essentially going to do is just match the market. The market has always gone up about 7% year over year since the 30s or, or however early that was. And so you basically want to be invested in the entire stock market everywhere you can for as little money as possible. And that's made possible through index investing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this lesson, we'd also like to cover some of the Canadian tools that are available to help uh, make this type of investing even simpler. It already is easy, but if you want to be even more hands-off, there are robo-advisors and all-in-one funds like Vigro that you can look into. And again, these kinds of things aren't covered in the American podcast, so we would like to cover that in FI School.
0: Definitely, because there is you know, foreign withholding taxes. There's higher MERS than you know the tried and true VTSAX that you can't buy in Canada. There's there's a lot to say about this, and VGRO in particular is kind of the the sexy alternative to <laughs> to VTSAX. And I think uh, I think a lot of Canadians have put their money in VGRO and I definitely want to dive into that.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. And so that leads us into the next lesson, which is lesson seven, and it's investing. And so it's- some might find this confusing and that like we're, the lesson six was index investing. This one is-
0: I'm confused, <laughs> by the way. Just want to say that I, I am confused.
1: <laughs> so the reason why I separated this into a separate lesson is that index investing is kind of its own thing. It, it, and there's, there's enough to it that I felt it deserved its own unit, especially in the FI community. It's something that is a really useful, popular tool in the FI community. Whereas investing in general is- Just as important, and it's something that I really feel shouldn't be overlooked. In order to become the best index investor you can be, I think you need to also learn about investing in general. So you need to know basically how the stock market works, you know, why things go up and down. Um, how to know you know why you're investing in all these different asset classes you know those are all important and will feed your index investing knowledge and just make you an overall better investor my belief is the most educated investors are the best investors because you can stay calm and confident in the stock markets when it drops or you know when you're making big decisions you know you're making the right decision because you're educated and for me that brings me a lot of peace and that's why i I can in- invest confidently with the Smith maneuver. I've leveraged the equity in my home to invest 100% in equities and I sleep completely fine at night because I've done the research. I've learned how to invest. I know enough about investing outside of index investing to understand that this is the right choice and I know the market will shift and that's normal and it's okay. So That's why I think this is an important lesson on its own, separate from index investing, to to really stress that people should take some time to learn at least the basics of general investing. And um, with that, that includes talking about the Canadian investment accounts, which are RRSPs, TFSAs, and non-registered accounts.
0: You know what? I'm glad that you you actually did a fantastic job of explaining that because the way I see it now is that lesson six about index investing is going to cover a lot of the math and a lot of the the under-the-hood mechanics of why this is a good investment decision. And then lesson seven, investing, is really going to cover your behavior and how, how you're going to understand that that is the best thing to invest in and to learn a bit more of the other options that you have out there and kind of give you a reason to stay the course in an event of a market downturn and to not abandon index investing, uh, especially when you see a lot of the scary headlines out there, you know, that are telling you there's a bubble and that index investing is unsustainable and it's going to collapse the entire system and yada, yada, yada. So I I really like that differentiation and I understand why there are two different lessons because that is a big, big obstacle to tackle. Definitely. And
1: the reason why I put lesson six first, index investing before investing, is that a lot of us get so excited when we're on the FI path to just get started. We just want to get the ball rolling. As soon as we find out about this type of investing, we're like, I want in. (laughs) You just want to do it. And so, you know, because I feel that index investing is so approachable and so easy to get started with and really you can't do a whole lot of damage. It's just by dumping your money into, you know, one of the the great index ETFs that are out there. As long as you follow a few basic rules just to get yourself started, I don't think it's harmful to just dive into index investing without knowing everything else that comes along with investing. So some people could argue with me and and I wouldn't say they're wrong. You know, maybe if you have the time, ideally you would start learning about investing first before you dive into index investing. But, you know, knowing the path that I took, I dove into index investing before I knew as much as I have learned since about investing. And I I don't necessarily think it's detrimental to do it that way.
0: All right. Well, that's going to lead us into lesson eight, tax optimization. Now, I want to preface this by saying that we do want FI School to be a timely podcast to listen to. Uh, We don't plan on our lessons being an hour and a half. In fact, we want them to be fairly short between 20 and 30 minutes, ideally. Um, I think with the exception of this episode, I think FI 101 will also be a bit of a long one. And I think these three that we just mentioned, index investing, investing, and tax optimization, there's a lot to cover here. And I think these ones are going to be a bit more in-depth and be a bit longer, probably towards the 40 or 50-minute mark because there's so much to cover. Tax optimization, your RRSP is everything. It is going to help you manipulate your own tax bracket. You're going to pay the amount of taxes that you want to. You can contribute to an RSP and not claim it in that year if you don't want to. Yet your investments will still grow tax deferred. So this is really important. Your TFSA. So this is after tax money that is going in and coming out, but you're never going to be penalized on anything that happens in the TFSA as long as you don't over contribute or do any hokey pokey, which we'll talk about later because there's people who've turned their TFSAs into like, a million dollars or something and they're being chased by the cra so <laughs> you know but otherwise yeah there's and, and taxable accounts as well right you know should we be putting some of these index etfs that we talk about into taxable accounts how do we deal with certain tax consequences that comes from having an etf in a taxable account so Optimization is going to be a really big one. And I, I think this is also one where you do get caught up in that vortex of information. There is so many great articles everywhere by people in the FI space and people not in the FI space. So stuff like Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, or Financial Post that cover tax optimization in different ways, but we really need to just put it all into one big funnel, streamline it all together, mix it up, and then come out with a nice fine-to FI school kind of. Plan that people can at least appreciate, and it's not going to cover everybody. There's no way that's going to happen, but it can give you what I'm hoping to be the Canadian simple path to wealth.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely, and th- I think this is one of the lessons where the Canadian content will really be important, and it's it's what we're really missing in the Canadian FI space. This kind of uh, really detailed, specific info just for Canadian taxes. Um, so. A lot of the info that I've included in FI School isn't actually written by FI bloggers or people in the FI community, but it doesn't matter. Like the taxes are taxes. So, you know, I've tried to find the most useful approachable info so that it's easy for you to understand and uh, figure out for your own situation. One thing that I would really love to discuss in this tax optimization lesson is asset location. So that's not asset allocation where you pick different asset classes and figure out the percentages of each. Asset location is where you decide where to place your investments so that they are the most tax optimal to so that as you're saving towards fi as you're working towards it that you're not charged uh taxes unnecessarily if you if you are conscious about where you put your investments, such as your Canadian dividends, uh, they should. If if you run out of room in all your other registered investments, they're probably the first ones that you want in your non registered because they're they're taxed more lightly than the other types of investments. And it, another example is you would want your U.S. ETFs, your U.S. investments in your RSP because we have a tax treaty with them, and only in the RSP so that you don't have to pay the foreign withholding tax on that. So. Those are the types of topics we would like to discuss, and we, we hope it's useful to you because we're trying to look at it from a Canadian lens.
0: Yeah, this is literally what people want. <laughs> we, we could probably start with Lesson 8. And everyone would be overjoyed, but we do want to go in order <laughs> and, and and build it from beginner to too expert. You know, we want to, we want to graduate students, not confuse the heck out of them. So please be patient. And it's going to be a, I can already tell that's probably going to be the biggest episode that we ever create. And we're going to have to fine tune it really hard and, and put a lot of effort into making sure that everything we say is accurate and completely mathematically possible. We don't, we don't want to sell a dream that is never going to be attainable by the average Canadian. Exactly. So
1: watch for that in the future. (laughs) And so we'll move on to lesson nine now. And uh, lesson nine is side hustles. So this is the first of four tactics that I call FI boosters. And I call them that because they're not really necessary in the FI journey. I think of them just as fun ways to accelerate your path to FI. So in this lesson, side hustles, I talk about how you can look for a side hustle. And actually, I don't talk about it. (laughs) I just collected content that will show you all the variety of side hustles that are out there that are easy to pursue and that you can take on in your spare time to earn some extra income and uh, hopefully put towards your FI nest egg and grow it faster. And I think there's never been a better time to take on a side hustle. It's so easy to find different apps and different platforms that you can join for free or at very low cost with very little commitment of your time or your energy and just see how it works out for you. And you you can earn an extra hundred a month, extra thousand per month. Who knows? The sky's the limit. So, you know, I think this is a great way to just speed up your journey to FI or, or just have some fun and earn some money doing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. We're living in the iPhone age, right? So, side hustling can be just as easy as installing an app, and literally, the entire foundation for how to make money is going to be installed on your phone in a tiny little box. It's up to you whether or not you want to be the one to get out there and begin hustling, right? It is a side hustle. There is no easy way to make extra money. You have to put in the work. And so, side hustles yeah i'd like to also just highlight like a few of those ones that that you can you know i'm sure we're all thinking of stuff like uber or doordash or something like that so i think it would be beneficial for our audience to hear of the options that are out there all right well let's bump along to lesson 10 real estate oh maybe i was wrong maybe this will be the biggest one we do
1: I don't this know. Is, We're not real estate investors. We are, so are not
0: we real estate investors. We <laughs> might have to bring on some help for this one. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I, I have my opinions on real estate. Chrissy, I'm sure you have yours. We are both homeowners, so we've both bought real estate. So that gives us a little bit of street cred. Yeah. Um, and especially in the next lesson, house hacking, Chrissy, I know you're going to speak to that because when you buy a home, unless it makes you money, it is not an investment. And it can't just make you money in the form of, I sold it later and made this much money. You really have to assess the cash flow that it's going to give you. If if you bought a stock of RBC and you held it to the day you died, did it really make you money? Because you never used it. Oh, but it gave you dividends. Okay, well, that's kind of a way to think about it, actually providing cash flow and making you money in that regard. But homes don't make money like that. And so I'm always very cautious when I hear people saying they want to invest in real estate or they want to buy a huge home and they're looking to get a 20% down payment on an $800,000 home in Newmarket, Ontario. You know, that's that's a hard one to get behind. So I think real estate is going to be, I think this lesson is going to be a lot about checking your own bias and reevaluating to yourself what you want your home to do and what you want to actually get out of it.
1: Yeah, real estate is a really popular way to grow your money in the US. I mean, in Canada too, but I think it's it's a lot easier. It's from what I hear, it's a lot easier in the US to make a a good real estate property investment whereas in Canada it's much more challenging and it's it's just our economy and and how much our real estate costs, especially in the bigger city centers. It's uh, I don't want to say impossible, but it's really tough to make it work if you live in a big city. It's possible, it sounds like, in the smaller cities and the towns, but that means for a lot of us, it would mean investing at a distance. And for me, as someone who's never been a real estate investor, that's pretty scary to consider. So, yeah, we would like to address this because... There are people in our community, even people who live in bigger cities, that have been very successful and have reached FI early because they invested in real estate. So it's not something we can ignore. It can work. So we would like to go over this and see if there's a way we can make it work for Canadians.
0: You know what? I I want people to ultimately leave that lesson understanding if they are an investor or if they are a customer because those are really the two categories of people who buy homes. And you need to know which one you are, and you need to be real with yourself. A lot of people will tell you, your parents, society, even the government will tell you that you're making the biggest investment of your life. Is it actually? That's what we hope to cover on it.
1: So that brings us to a related lesson, which is lesson 11, house hacking. So it is related in that it's uh, using real estate that um, you either already own or that you rent to uh, create an income for yourself. So uh, this is another FI booster. And it, I, I think it's something that most of us could probably take on if you have an extra room in your house, or a, a basement suite that you're not using. It's a really easy way to uh, cut your housing costs, uh, even to zero or even allow you to make a profit from your housing. So it's it's actually one of my favorite FI boosters that I've actually used. And the way I do it is through hosting international students. So the spare bedrooms in our house, they the bedrooms that sit empty anyway, and I have to heat them and provide the electricity for those rooms and pay the property taxes. But by hosting students, I can put those to use and not feel guilty about having them empty. And I can also write off a lot of the expenses that I would pay for anyway. So Uh, I also consider it a side hustle of sorts because, you know, uh, although I always caution people not to think of hosting students as a business because that just brings the wrong tone to it, Uh, it really is about connecting with people and, you know, really giving them a good experience. It's more about hospitality than it is a business, but you know, I, I do have to look at it from a business sense uh, on the money side, because it is helpful that way. And there are ways that you can improve your hosting so that you make your house more appealing and that you're a better host to students. So so it is a business of sorts. And so I, I also call it a side hustle. And so it, it's a hybrid of both house hacking and a side hustle. So we hope with this lesson, to be able to bring the different types of house hacking into the lesson, so that you can decide if it's something that you want to pursue and if it could work for you.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode because my house earns me absolutely zero dollars, so I'm uh, I'm I'm so tempted. I, I wish I knew about international homestays before I had a kid. And I only have a three bedroom home. It's not a particularly big house, but I am uh, quite close to universities. I mean, I have two universities in Kitchener, Waterloo, and a huge, huge college called Conestoga College. So I have a lot of international students that go here. I mean, my wife, for crying out loud, she taught at an international high school. It was for Chinese students. It wasn't a huge student body, but that just goes to show it was only three kilometers away. Like, Canada has a huge market for international students so this is a superb way to get your home to make you some money and that's right you don't have customers you have students there you're going to show them Canada you're going to show them what it means to live in Vancouver or Kitchener or wherever you're from and you'll be able to showcase our awesome country and that hits it on a personal level so it's almost like you have a client living in your home but you also have an extension of your family in a sense. And I think we definitely got that from Mr. Prairie Friars episode. I mean, he has the same student for three years and, you know, his kids call her uh, auntie and and whatnot, right? And, you know, she'll babysit and whatnot. Like, it's just, it's a phenomenal family member that he got to have all because he was located close to a university. I want to move along, but I do want to say this is that I think Airbnb is another really interesting one because that's going to be, you know, that's an app you can download on your phone, you know, the whole side hustles uh, lesson, right? So, That'll be really interesting. And if you remember back in our community feedback episode, a girl in the garden, she left us a review. I've met her in real life because she came to one of the meetups in Kitchener. And when she discovered FI, she converted her basement into an Airbnb. So if she's willing, I'd love to get some numbers and be able to show that in that lesson. I think that'd be fantastic for our audience to hear a real close to home outline and case study of an Airbnb rental and what she had to do, what she had to spend and how much money she's actually made from it.
1: I would love that. But let's All get right. on.
0: <laughs> Michelle, if you're listening, please. <laughs> okay. So uh, lesson 12, and we are near the end, folks. So don't worry, uh, is travel hacking. So this one, I think, comes with a lot of stigma because people immediately default to the Well, it's not as good as the U.S., so what's the point? Which is crazy because there's a lot of sign-up bonuses in Canada and they don't really cap them. There's no list, you know, you do it once and then your credit score is shot and you'll never be able to apply for a BMO credit card again because you churned it once. And um, I should explain the term churn. Uh, basically, when you open up credit cards and close them, people call that churning. And what you're doing is you're getting a credit card that has an annual fee that's waived for the first year, ideally, and it comes with a signup bonus. So, you know, it could be $300 towards uh, air travel or hotels or $200 in gift cards or something like that. I find about every three months, I'm able to churn a new credit card. And it is a very, very easy way of increasing your income because it was money that came from seemingly nowhere that Got added to my my rewards bank account, and I was able to spend it on groceries, or a Boston pizza, or on hotels. I mean, I've spent rewards points on all of those things, and it didn't affect my spending, and it didn't affect my lifestyle. It was just there as an extra bonus. So while I think people can hem and haw over whether or not it's as good as the U.S. market, there is definitely a Canadian market for it, and I think everybody in the FI space should be using it if you're okay with using credit cards. There are some people who are not okay with using credit cards and they might want to skip this lesson. And I'm totally okay with that.
1: Another thing that you didn't mention that I love about travel hacking and travel rewards, or not even just travel rewards, it's just credit card rewards because you don't have to get travel points. You can also just get cash back. Uh, Another thing I love about it is it's all (laughs) tax-free. The government does not track this. You do not have to report it on your income tax. It's tax-free money. So for me, it's a no brainer. And and if you really don't like the effort that's involved, just sign up for a few really basic cards, just cashback cards, uh, find, do a bit of research, find the optimal ones for your spending, just sign up for them, get them and then just use them year after year. And you don't have to change a thing and you'll still earn hundreds and maybe even a 1000 or more per year just in cashback. So it doesn't have to be this overwhelming, difficult thing that that you do. It could just be a one-time thing, and you set it and forget it, and you're done.
0: Now, find the only time-consuming tasks of travel hacking is one: calling to cancel the card once you're finally done with it. And two, just reading the fine print, you know, it takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes, just make sure that when you sign up for the card that there's usually like a timeline kind of bonus and, and when you're going to be eligible to get the points and, you know, just setting up a login and that kind of thing. But I find I don't spend more than an hour total on the entire process. And you're right, I've made, you know, 200 to $300 tax free. So if that's $1,000 that you've made over the course of the year, and your marginal tax bracket is 20%, that theoretically should have only been $800. But no, you got the full 1000 That's wonderful.
1: So that brings us into our next lesson, which is one of three that I call FI extensions. So... To me, I think of these extensions as important to the FI journey, but they're often overlooked and that's why I want to highlight them. So the first one of these in Lesson 13 that we'll cover is happiness. So... To me, I feel that this is one area that really shouldn't be overlooked. It, I'd even argue that happiness is the starting point for FI. I mean, after all, why are we pursuing FI? To live a life that brings us more happiness and joy and satisfaction and f- self-fulfillment. So I think it's a great place to start if you're not really sure where why you're on the FI journey and why you're pursuing it. If you're feeling a little lost, this this could be an area that you start with just to get yourself motivated and get the ball rolling. So in this lesson I will share the content that I found useful to uh, learn about happiness and how you can increase your own personal happiness and also learn why it's so important to all of us whether you choose to pursue FI or not.
0: Perhaps there is a, a starting place for people you know with happiness but for me, I want more efficiency. I find that I will be happier once I reduce a lot of my bills or I hear about an app that's going to save me some money and whatnot. Like that's that's what makes me happy. So I don't need I don't need to start with a place that says, you're spending too much and you must be unhappy. Like it's like, huh? You know, I feel like that that'll miss like a lot of people because they might not see anything wrong with the consumer culture that they're participating in. But once they begin to lower their bills and they're saving more money and then they realize they're getting happier, right? you know, that's why I like that this, I'm actually happy that this lesson is 13 and not number one, because I think we'd lose a lot of people if we just said, trust me, you'll be happy because it, it sounds yeah. like a cult at that point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, you know, I, I totally agree with you, but I think it's because we are of the same mind. We are about efficiency and optimization and people like my husband and maybe your wife are not, you know, my husband, couldn't care less about the numbers when i started to try to introduce fi to him by using the numbers and the you know the actionable steps he was completely turned off that did not make him happier that made him more anxious and bored so starting with happiness when i flipped it around and and told him this is how your life will be better this is why you'll be happier like that lit him up and that was what got him more engaged and interested with our journey. So I, I think it's different for everybody.
0: I'm really, I'm I'm excited to cover that one. I think it'll be fun. And I think it lends a lot itself into lesson 14. Uh, the follow-up to it is personal growth. This is the second extension. It's really just becoming a better person. If, if you're the type of person that is into self-help, and I'm assuming you probably are to it. little bit of an extent because you're listening to a financial independence podcast (laughs) especially if you already know what financial independence is and you're still listening then you're 100% into personal growth so you like hearing from other people's stories and whatnot you can learn from a lot of the leaders that are in the space and a lot of from other people's stories and a lot of Canadian, you know, heartbreak and success, and you'll be able to learn from it before you have to make those mistakes. So, actually, I think lesson 14 would be a good time, Chrissy, for you and I to share, you know, some of our financial mistakes and some of our missteps that we don't want our listeners to make the same mistake and that we can showcase for them.
1: For sure. I I would love to. And I also want to point out that personal growth is an area that some of the more established FI bloggers and podcasters now are moving into. For example, Choose FI and Afford Anything, even the Mad Scientist, they more and more often cover this type of content on their shows. And I think it's just a natural progression of the FI journey because once you tackle the earlier lessons, you know, frugality, budgeting, investing, what's left, you know, the next step is to work on yourself, uh, how to make yourself happier, how to make yourself healthier, you know, whether it's emotionally, mentally, or physically, you know, that is the natural progression of, you know, once you optimize all your money, why not optimize your life and yourself? And I think it's a really nice way to to extend the FI journey and keep yourself going. Because as you learn more about how to improve yourself and how to improve your life, it opens up new avenues. And sometimes it could even bring you new ways to earn income and further accelerate your FI journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, personal growth, I agree with everything you said. Personal growth is ultimately a collection of your own goals and what you want to achieve and what you want to succeed in in life and how satisfied you're going to be. It is a series of goals and it is a series of tasks and you have to be happy doing them and you have to feel satisfied from the goals that you've achieved and maybe some of the ones that you failed as well and what you've learned from them. It makes for a very well-rounded person to be able to assess their own personal growth. And so that's why I think it'll be great for us to share our own stories so and, and to hear them from the community as well because we're going to be in direct contact with so many people through our website or through the show notes, comments, or, or Choose a Fight Canada group or something like that. Or we're going to hear from a lot of people and I think they'll make for a very, very enlightening conversation about the realities of of pursuing FI. We have to have this goal for a reason. If there's no goal at the end of FI, then you're pursuing it for a seemingly no reason. It doesn't make sense at all to save any money whatsoever. I mean, why would you? You don't have any goals, right? So you have to have these goals. Personal growth is fundamental to setting those goals. Uh,
1: That leads us into, uh, well, it's not really the final uh, lesson, but it is um, the second last lesson. But this, I think, is... Important to stress. It's the third and final FI extension and. I think it's meaningful that it's the final extension because it's one in which we deal with the end of our life. And this is estate planning for lesson 15. Um, So my hope is actually that FI seekers won't leave this lesson to the end because it's it's really something that needs to be tackled as soon as possible. Um, The reason why is because I see it as a, a gift. It's a selfless gift to our loved ones to ensure that they'll be cared for if we anything happens to us and we are not there to take care of them anymore. So even though it's something that most of us do not want to think about, it's not the most pleasant topic. It is so, so important because I've seen it in in family and friends where they were not prepared. Even we've all heard the, the horror stories of celebrities who did not have a proper will and did not have their estate plans laid out and the chaos that ensues and the heartbreak. And none of us wants that for our loved ones. So I really think this is one of the most important, if not the most important lesson in all of FI school to make sure that we plan properly so that our loved ones are taken care of.
0: Yeah, this will be a bit of a tearjerker episode, I think. Um, But it is very important to talk about. And it is awkward. And it's probably not going to be the most pleasant episode to listen to. But it is an important lesson. It is the most selfless thing in the world. There's literally nothing more selfless than planning for your death because it will help your family move on. It'll help your family when they're frustrated and they will be emotionally exhausted and they're trying to grieve for you. And they're also trying to clean up the piles of financial mess that you have made because you didn't plan for it. And it will be very aggravating. So it is a very important part. I myself, I don't even have a will right now. And I have a daughter and a wife and a house and I should probably, not that they're all on the same level, but you know, I have, I have these significant life commitments that I've made and I I should be planning for it. So I think this will be another good area where we can share a bit about what we've done to plan for our own deaths and uh, you know, insurance and, and where we got our wills done or something like that. I think this will be interesting for a lot of Canadians to hear about because it is a very emotionally charged subject so hopefully we can bring a bit of a, an FI hack into this as well to make it a little less gruesome of a topic to tackle. For sure.
1: And uh, yeah, I promise it won't be gruesome.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. That <laughs> was are... the wrong word. <laughs> there will be no <laughs> homicide or criminal minds <laughs> investigation in this.
1: No. And we're going to try to make it as approachable as we can and really, really bring in Canadian specific info here because this is like the tax optimization lesson. This is one of the areas where we really need Canadian specific info because it's, you know, it relies on a lot of laws that are different in different countries, even different provinces. Different provinces have different rules when it comes to estate planning. So, you know, this is again another hole in the FI community where we would like to augment that with Canadian info so that you have the knowledge to proceed and do the right thing for your family.
0: Lesson 16 is the conclusion and resources. So we've all graduated from FI school. And I do say we like Chrissy and I, we might be the ones talking to you all through this podcast and into our mics, but really we're students as well because we are neither of us are financially independent. Neither of us are gurus or these mythical teachers coming down from on high to teach you all about this. We are students as well. So I think this will be a good recap episode to talk about what we've learned and to share a lot of the community feedback that I know we're going to get from people. I think this will be a really fun community kind of feedback episode and it'll be an excellent way to top off the FI school.
1: I agree. I would love that. I think that'd be really fun and uh, a chance for our audience to uh, voice their opinions and have other listeners hear what they have to say.
0: Yeah. And I want to read a quote that you've actually written out here because I think it's really important. It's from Brandon who goes under the moniker, the mad scientist. And he said, don't focus solely on the finish line because once you get there, you may be disappointed. The journey is the important part. It is a journey. And I think that speaks to the point where Chrissy and I are students before. We are focusing on the journey. This podcast is not the finale. It is... The journey. It's part of our journey to be able to communicate with Canadians, to be able to build the the fun little podcast that is Explorify Canada and to just have fun with it and to just enjoy the journey. And I, I don't ever really plan on hitting this finish line. I definitely don't see achieving financial independence as this finish line. I kind of see it as just another milestone on my, my journey for uh, ultimately enjoying you know, life in in Canada and traveling and talking finance and uh, meeting people and whatnot. I I, I definitely don't want FI school to seem like it's just going to be like, well, you've reached the end, you know, clap your hands and off we go. We'll never see you again. I I don't want it to be like that at all.
1: No, this is just the the middle of the journey for most of us. And we are happy that we can be there with you. And even for those of you who have already completed the journey, we're happy that you're still part of the community and sharing your knowledge and experience with people who are newer or just starting or in the middle of the path. uh, I think it's important to stay tied in wherever you are in the journey. It it benefits yourself and it benefits everyone else that you talk to and meet and uh, share your knowledge with.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I got a message actually just the other day and uh, it was from a listener and he said, thank you so much for what you do. The important part of his message is he said, when I found this movement, it has benefited myself and my family in such unimaginable ways that I never thought possible. And that's what I want to focus on. Like, that's the cool part because I don't need my daughter to read Mr. Money Mustache blog when she grows up I mean she can if she wants but I don't want to push that onto her I want to teach her the values that I have learned from all my extensive reading and listening and then just to be able to lead by example and that's going to build a better life for me and my family so it's not that everybody has to listen to fi school and read all the blogs and articles and everything that we mention. it's just to create a better community and that's the most important part at least it is to me
1: yeah I agree I think the community is what we really, really need in the end to keep us going and to to show us what the real goal of FI is. It's to continue building connections and human connections, real human connections, not just, you know, typing out a post online and sending it out into the ether. We, we really crave that real human connection with other people. So I I hope this podcast and this series will help to further that, especially in Canada. And I hope you all enjoy it and get a lot out of these lessons.
0: Chrissy, you and I talk too much. This episode went on so much longer than we planned, but I (laughs) uh, I think it's important to the listeners that we set goals for ourselves throughout the series. And I I think it'll be very fun for people to kind of see what we are actually doing. So we're not just standing on our soapbox and preaching, but we're actually down in the trenches trying to figure it out ourselves. So everybody has something that they can work on and achieve. So let's be open and honest about ours so we can all learn together. What do you say?
1: I think it's a great idea.
0: Sweet. Okay, well, I'll go first then because I'm the one suggesting it. So I would like to go completely cash for one month. And right now I am currently churning a credit card, so I don't want to go cash halfway through that and then miss out on the extra bonus. And I'm not even sure if this makes sense. So the reason why I want to go cash is because one of the things that happens when you spend on your debit or your credit card is that you might unconsciously overspend. And that is you just think about the points, you think about the deals that are there and you think, well, I'm always responsible with my credit card and I'm going to get a cash back for this, or I'm going to be churning this so I kind of want to spend a bit more so I can get that and I want to know if I am unconsciously spending more on credit cards than it would if I just had cash there is a study that came out that showed that when you pay with cash a certain part of your brain uh, reflects like the pain points or something like that and it, it 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 doesn't actually physically hurt you but it is associated with physical pain and so people don't like spending with cash and when you only have cash to spend you'll naturally spend less But at the same time, if you do do that, are you just depriving yourself? Are you actually not spending on what you would normally value if you're buying with a credit card? And so I'm very interested to see if a cash only month will have a major impact on my spending and on my happiness level. And I definitely want to try it for a solid four weeks and report back to you and our listening audience and, and see what the results are.
1: This sounds like so much fun. I can't wait to see what you find.
0: I already don't spend a lot of money, so I'm wondering if I'm going to be even more chintzy. Like, I'm wondering, will I go (laughs) to the grocery store and just be like, nope, 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 not buying that, going to wait till it's on sale, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, like, if I am bringing cash, do I only bring so much of it? Should I only bring, like, $32? Because I know roughly what the prices are for everything so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see that I already know what I spend on a month-to-month basis and uh, as the series continues I'll, I'll reveal more of that information I don't have it all in front of me right now but yeah I think it'll be a fun little experiment to just sprinkle in with the other lessons and episodes
1: yeah like I wonder if your spending will go down by a greater percentage than what you would have earned with credit card points like that it's like creating your own cash back
0: Oh, yeah. I'd be mad if I only saved like 1% and then I could have done everything on my Rogers (laughs) MasterCard and got 1.75. I'd be pissed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's see how it goes. Uh, I'm excited to hear that. So let's move on to my goal. I have recently started to get the ball rolling on this one and that is I want to get a better handle on our retirement plan that is what we're going to do post FI as, as well as our, our number. On my blog I recently wrote about how we have inflated our lifestyle unfortunately but fortunately it was it was a mindful choice but w- for a number of reasons, we have added expenses to our bottom line that weren't there when we first made our financial plan with our planner, Ed Rempel, a couple of years ago. So things have changed, uh, not a huge amount, but enough to warrant a new discussion and a revisit of our numbers to see if we're still on track and also if our number needs to change, if our nest egg number needs to change. And also, uh, I would like to learn more about our drawdown strategy. It it was laid out to us by Ed in our financial plan that we did with him, but I would like to understand it better and just go into detail with with him because uh, he's a wealth of knowledge and I would love to learn more about how he thinks that we should optimally draw down our portfolio.
0: You know, this is a great financial objective for you because it's something that we all have to go through. We do need to recalibrate our number from time to time. You know, if you have a 17-year plan to hit financial independence, are you going to be the same? Person seventeen years later, I'm, I certainly hope not. Right, you're going to be somebody different. You're going to have different values, and you're going to have different possessions, and you might have different jobs in different provinces. So it does make sense to recalibrate your number and to, to go over it again, and and that's something that people should probably be doing on a regular basis, especially after something. Uh, as significant as like a big milestone such as, you know, marriage and kids or divorce or what have you, right? So yeah, no, I'm excited to uh, to hear about that. I think that's something that our listeners will be really interested in, especially Drawdown, which I don't think is something we specifically mentioned, but um, it will be included in some of the, the lessons here. We'll, we'll be talking about Drawdown for sure. If anybody was missing that keyword, we are going to talk about it
1: that would be a topic that would be covered really nicely in the tax optimization lesson. So we'll make a note and, and we'll try to do what we can to cover that.
0: Well, students, I hope you took notes. But in case you didn't, let's face it, I'm sure most of you are commuting or doing chores and you don't have to take notes. You can just go right over to ExplorifyCanada.ca or to Chrissy's blog. We'll have all the resources that we have talked about. And our next lesson is going to be number one fi 101 so this is where you're going to hear a lot about our why defy and a bit more about us and about your own personal journey and probably where it should start so until next time we will see you all in the next class take care bye thanks for listening you can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Did do you like what you're hearing help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory
1: You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepgreedby.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet.
0: We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.